Well, good morning. It is good to be back here at Kingwood. Um, this is where things started for me, really. You know, I got married here, and Virginia has been my helpmate and partner for 25 years. And I, I guarantee you, I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for Virginia. So I thank the Lord for Virginia. I thank the Lord for what Kingwood did. To, you know, she was here during her college years when she was at Tabor. And, uh, you know, I didn't know her then. I came back from Africa two weeks before the wedding and met all of you. And you were like, whoa. And that was too much just from Africa. It's, but it has been a great 25 years. I have much to praise God for. You know, I love that song. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. You guys excited to see the king? Yes. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. Well, what has to happen for the king to come? Just time to pass? I wish it was that way. If we could just say, time will pass, and then the king will come. But that's not what's going to bring the king back soon and very soon. This morning I was asked to share my heart on missions. And I've chosen a passage out of Ezekiel. I don't know if you've ever heard a passage of missions out of Ezekiel. But the prophet Ezekiel, to me, mirrors my heart and the struggles that I've worked through to really have a passion for missions. You know, they've set the bar pretty high here for me here. But I'm just an ordinary individual. I do love Jesus. And I am passionate to share that love to people who don't know who Jesus is. But it does not come naturally. I wasn't just born being passionate for missions. So when we sing, soon and very soon, the king is coming. It means something to us. It means something to me, a response to get involved in missions. Um, I want to, in my introduction here, you know, this excitement for missions, I've titled this, A Passion for Missions. And the word passion over generations can change meanings. As you know, English words can have different meanings from generation to generation. For me, you know, an excitement is a feeling. But passion is based on a conviction. If you believe the king is coming, then you are passionate for what Jesus wants to happen. So that can happen. Amen? Piper, John Piper puts it this way. Missions is not the goal of the church. Worship is. And mission only exists because worship doesn't. You get that? If the people in Tanzania along the southern coast where we work, where they're mostly Muslims, if they worship Jesus, I would be out of a job. Hallelujah! Right? That's what I want. If they worship Jesus, I'm satisfied that missions goes away because we worship Jesus. I mean, is there going to be missions in heaven? Well, no, because we all worshiping Jesus. So I really echo uh, what Piper says. Missions exist only because worship doesn't. 
My passion for missions is a conviction that we need to be worshiping Jesus in all cultures, in all languages. And then the king will come. You can read Matthew 24, and there's a lot of other passages. But Ezekiel is called into the prophethood, or if you want to say the mission, he was there to orate God's word. And that's what we're all about. It didn't come naturally for him. And I'm using the second chapter, and I would like just to read that now, since it's still God's word. So if you would turn to Ezekiel, chapter 2, and I read from God's word. Then he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered me and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. And then he said to me, son of man, I am sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. And I'm sending you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. And as for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man... Neither fear them, nor fear their words. Though thistles and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, neither fear their words, nor be dismayed at their presence, for they are a rebellious house. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. Now you, son of man, listen to what I am speaking to you. Do not be rebellious, like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. And then I looked and behold, a hand was extended to me and lo, a scroll was in it. When he spread it out before me, it was written on the front and back and written on it were lamentations, mourning and woe. And this is the word of the Lord. How do we grow a passion for missions? Well, I've outlined this chapter in these ways. We first must know who God is. That is essential. Then, we need to know what God wants us to do. And then, we need to know what to expect when we obey Him. And then we need to know God's provision and care for us. Those are my points this morning, and I just want to go through that. Our time is limited this morning. I'm used to preaching for hours. I promise you I won't keep you near that long. And I'm thankful for the technology of time to keep me on track. The first part, do we know God? You know, that's a question I have to ask myself. And I just want to preface that, you know, as I prepared this message, God spoke to me, because this speaks to me. So I've, as you heard, been growing up, I've grown up in Tanzania for 40 plus years. I've been a Christian, as my parents say, since the age of five. But you know what? A passion doesn't come naturally. Satan is always there trying to erode it away and destroy 
that desire. And so I'm speaking to myself here as much as I am to you guys. And it's my heart. I need to know God if I'm going to have a passion for missions. It isn't something I can go to theology school. I can just learn a strategy and I can go out there and do it. I have to have a clear vision of who God is. If you read Ezekiel chapter 1 and we don't have time, God revealed himself to the prophet in a unique way. Now, today, if we go around saying we had visions and I saw God, you would be labeled in a certain category. Would you not? I mean, there are funny farms for people like that, right? But you know what? If you read Ezekiel chapter 1, it impacted Ezekiel so much that at the end of the vision, he fell prostrate before God because he was overwhelmed with the presence of God. I asked myself, when was the last time that I saw God and I fell prostrate before him because I was in awe of who God was? That is so essential. That is so essential. So we say, I didn't have a vision. How am I going to see God? How am I going to hear God? How am I going to know God better? You know, Hebrews chapter 1. Let me just read real quickly. Hebrews chapter 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, that's like Ezekiel, through visions and audible sounds, today, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Jesus Christ speaks to us. We have his word. I ask myself, when was the last time, after reading God's word, I was overwhelmed with his magnitude, his mercy, his love for people, that I fell down and worshipped him. That's what I want. I so much want to read God's word because it is living that it impacts what I do right after I've read it. That's how we should see God. God does speak. His word is live. I've read the Quran a couple of times through. It is the most disjointed, unrelated type of literature I've ever read. I'm sorry if that offends anybody. There's some nice poetry in it. But you know what? It's not near live like God's word is. Where you hear the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel said, I heard the Spirit speak to me and he entered me and he stood me on my feet. I long for that to happen in my life. Where God would say, rise up, young man. That's what he wants to do with each of us every day. And I can't begin to think I can have a passion for missions or even to take God's word to my neighbor if I haven't yet first seen God for who he is and his glory and see his passion for people and his love for lost people. I know I um, shock people when I say this, but I didn't want to be a missionary. Now, Virginia says that she wanted to be a missionary from the time she was five years old and told her parents that just like that. 
Well, I, I was born a missionary kid and didn't really want to be a missionary. I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. And I wanted to go to Colorado Springs and a number of things there. God, through his mercy, gave me a love and a passion for what he wants. It's a long story and I don't have near the time here to tell it. But God does want us to fall in love with him. And it only happens when we see God clearly. And that comes when we read his word and we worship him and we fall on our face before him. We have to acknowledge that he's God. Um, Next thing we need to do is when we see God, we need to be humble about it. And when we see God for who he is, the only appropriate response is humility. And I say that with caution because it's easy in the role of missionary to be put on a pedestal. And I want to say very clearly, we are ordinary people. The mission field, we are missionaries, we are broken people, we have hurts, uh, and in many ways, we're just, we're just normal. And yet people assume that we are saints and oh, that we would just see ourselves as servants, people who love the Lord with all of our faults, but God can still use us. Um, that's the humility, I think, that we need. And I pray that the Lord continues to keep me humble. Um, I have a life... <laughs> How can I say this? You know, we talk about the cat with nine lives. I'm about up to 18, I think, right now. Uh, God keeps reminding me, the minute I want you out of here, you're gone. You know, you're not, you're not around because of something you did or because of your strategy or because of your charisma or anything. It's because I have appointed you and I've set you there. And I praise God for that because I wouldn't be here. That's when you say amen. All right, amen. All right. Uh, to finish this clear vision section, Ezekiel actually heard... God speak to him. Now, was that audible? I don't know. I, I pray that God speaks to me, and I can say, I do hear God speak to me. I've never heard an audible voice. Okay? But, through God's word, he touches me. There are times I'm reading God's word, and a, a, a strong sense comes over me. And God gives me power. God gives abilities beyond my imagination. And it's, it's something that I thank the Lord that he is in control of that. It's not buttons that we can push. Okay? So, before you can have a passion for missions, you need to know God. And really yearn for his spirit to speak through you and to set you on your feet. The next is, we need to know what God wants us to do. In verses 3 through 5, it says, He said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. I am sending you. That word keeps coming up. I am sending you. God is sending each of us to be gospel proclaimers. Amen? 
There's two things in that. The first part is we need to acknowledge that we need to go. Okay? I know missions has always said going is you have to cross a boundary. That's been missiology for the last hundreds of years. You have to cross an ocean, you have to go somewhere. But God sent Ezekiel to who? His own people. With the same tongue, as chapter 3 says. Okay, they were in a different land, but he still sent them to his own people. I want to make a, a strong point here. God requires, or it's God's passion that all of us see that we are goers. That God is sending me to somebody. There's only two people in the world. Those going and those who are being come to. You know what I mean? That's it. So which one are you? That's the sending part. God sends us. Um, I don't know how to make it more clear than that. And, you know, he's sending us. You know, regardless of our profession, regardless of our abilities... God wants us to go and be gospel proclaimers. We can put up all kinds of roadblocks or um, things that we want to say, limit me from going. But I don't see anywhere in scripture where God limits the sending part. We are all required to be gospel proclaimers. It might be to your very immediate family where we work and as we see Islamic peoples coming to Christ we don't ask them to cross boundaries we say your immediate family is your mission field that is where you need to go that's where you need to proclaim the gospel and do it with passion Oftentimes, when we choose to do that there's going to be persecution In Nip Ripkin's book, Insanity of Obedience, he makes it very clear that we are gospel proclaimers, first and foremost, even with persecution. And oftentimes we want to be, we're afraid to go because of persecution. And he goes even further to say, that the persecution should only be because we proclaim the gospel. There's a lot of persecution that happens in the mission field that's unrelated to gospel proclamation. And I'm not the judge of what that is. But I know in my life, it's easy for me to try to take my stupidity and try to get credit for it. Does that make sense? You know what? doesn't matter. But you know what? If I'm persecuted for the sake of righteousness because of proclaiming the gospel, then amen. And that's the, the gist of his book. Um, I'm going to keep moving on here. I see the clock. But also, in the sending part, he wants us to proclaim salvation. 
There's the going and accepting that. There's the picking up your bags and, and going somewhere. But speaking in our going has to happen as well. I've been in Africa 40 years. I've been a missionary almost 30 years. I'm at fault, this is confession, that sometimes the going is there, but the opening is not there. You know, we're afraid to open our mouth. We come up with excuses to why it's not best to publicize our faith. And it could be because we say the security of the country or other reasons, and, or I'm, I'm trying to win him over first before I lay on him my faith. And there's all kinds of scenarios that we say. I'm old enough now, I'm just going to say it. You know what? God wants me to open my mouth. And God wants me to proclaim salvation to people. And let the chips fall where they fall. Now, I'm not advocating uh, stupidity in North African countries. I'm not. But I find in my life, I often use that as an excuse because I'm afraid of the outcome and I don't trust God. And when I do, he does miraculous things. I have an example. A man named Rajabu in Pai. He was pretty stubborn. We went to work among the Rangi people, and he is a very Islamic individual, as is the whole community was. When we got there, he tried to kick us out. In fact, he even got the immigration department to confiscate our passports and try to get us kicked out of the country that way. And it didn't work. I was afraid to really be bold with him about salvation and his need and where I was. It's an Islamic community. I mean, there's, I had every reason from a missiological standpoint to keep my mouth closed and just to be there and to live a Christ-like lifestyle and to, uh, you know, have a good marriage in the community that people could see. And I was convicted that God wanted me to open my mouth. It's pretty simple. Okay? I'm making a point here. So one day I did. I actually went and talked to him. And this was over a period of some, some, some months. The incident that happened with our passports almost did get us kicked out from the country, but by the grace of God, because God is in control. Amen? And his sovereignty reigns over any imaginable scenario that I can dream up. We didn't get kicked out, and through that, the government required the village to give us 25 acres of land. Now, you couldn't even write that in a script and act it out. But that's what happened. So we ended up getting 25 acres, and that's where we started the outreach among the Rangi people and built a school, the clinic, a church there that's, that's thriving to this day. Um, the, the, girl, the girl's school has 300-some girls in boarding school there, Muslim girls. And just a testimony. But this old man, you know, young, youngish, but... They can hide their age pretty good. Um, Rajabu. He suffered some ridicule in the community because he was supposed to get us kicked out. His influence, because he was influential, was supposed to get us sent back. Instead, it entrenched us even more in the community. And 
was able to go to him, shared with him. We even had a meal of reconciliation with him and trying to bridge the gap and trying to say, God loves you. You know what? As hard as this man might be, it would have been very easy for me to say, he's lost. God loves him, but you know what? As we say, shout Yaakov. It's his own fault. He chose a path. But I don't think God works that way. Through the opportunities that God opened up for us to try to build a relationship with him, we did begin to have a friendship. So much that he insisted his grandkids attend the school that we started there. His daughter just graduated, his granddaughter graduated from the school two years ago, from the Tanner Girls School there, and accepted the Lord and was baptized at the school. Now, who would have dreamed of that? And yet I was afraid because this man was powerful enough to try to get me kicked out. I wasn't going to go talk to him. I did, and I shared with him, and I'm still praying for his salvation. He claims he's too old to become a believer. I disagree. But I'm still believing that God's going to touch his heart. But you know what? I had to open my mouth to him. Uh, It's very clear here to Ezekiel that God tells him to go and speak. It doesn't matter of the recipients. Oftentimes we judge the necessity of speaking based on our perceived assumption of the receivers. Isn't that correct? Some people say, put the wind in the air and see where it's going, and I'm going to speak that way because I'll get more response. Or mailings that go out, you, you target a certain you know, group of people, so you get a better response. That's not how God works. He told Ezekiel, right up front, they're stubborn, they're rebellious, they're not going to listen to you. But you know what? Speak anyways. Open your mouth. It's a challenge to me. Even on the mission field, that right across the street might be somebody that is waiting to hear and I need to go and open my mouth. I think that's true even right here in the U.S. I think the opportunities in America are increasing for us to boldly proclaim Christ, the love that we have, the forgiveness that we have, the peace that Jesus gives us to our neighbors. And oh, what a time where it's so needed. Um, I, I've, we've come back to America during this election period, and wow, need I, need I say more? So, you know what? They're gonna, people are going to be stubborn in response to you. The next is, it doesn't matter whether they want to hear you or not. Okay? My next uh, little story I want to tell you is about another man named Nampoka Said Muhammad. He was our neighbor this last year, in Mchinga, where we went. When we were trying to move into the village, we were the first Western couple to actually move there and trying to look for a local house to rent. He went around to the village and landowners and said, do not rent to those infidels. Because you know what? They're just no good. And uh, he tried to influence with his um, religious influence. Unfortunately, the poverty of the village and the necessity of some of the needs a landowner decided to rent to us, right across the street from him. You know, God works in funny ways, right? I mean, right across the street. So I would walk out my front door, and he'd be sitting there on his porch, just staring me down. I'm like, okay, Lord, why did you put me here? I mean, come on. Some, you know, somewhere else, maybe on the beach or something, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, Saidi Nampoka, a dear man, he was 
an elder in the community. He had influence. He went to the mosque five times a day, and he made a point of walking right by my house. I mean, as he got up, he, you know, he's going to the mosque. He, he was just adamant that I saw and understood. Um, I prayed, Lord, I want to I win this guy for you, but there's no way. He's my elder. I have to respect him. I have to honor him. And over time, over the year, God opened up small doors where I could speak just a little bit. And at first it was just an, to honor him, to greet him appropriately, to then to help him where opportunities arose. I uh, used some of my technical skills to uh, help him with some situations that he had. I don't have time to tell you all the stories. And so um, we were getting ready to leave. I got I to... Your time in America goes a lot faster than in Africa. <laughs> all right. Um, we're getting ready to leave to come back to home assignment here. And I went around to my village in the last week just to say goodbye to people. That's the cultural aga thing that you do there. And he said, oh, you can't leave? You got to stay. What are we going to do? And uh, he said, okay, I'll let you leave, but two weeks. And you got to come back. This is the same guy that tried to get us not in the village. So I'm in the States here, and just a couple weeks ago, because of technology and all these little apps that you can have on your phone, he was able to call me on WhatsApp, because I have WhatsApp, and he said, how come you're not back yet? (laughs) You know, I just said, Lord, amazing. You know, if I had just done my heart's desire and just kind of like ignored him because he was giving me that old evil eye thing, where would it have gone? Okay, he's not a believer yet, but man, a door is open because God allowed me to humbly, you know, whatever, say to him some polite words initially and then to be used by him to build a relationship. Not easy, but you know what? That's what God can do when we're just willing. All right, I got to move on here. Uh, There are all kinds of examples of that I could say. But what to expect when you obey this? Uh, In verses 6 through 7, Son of man, don't fear them, don't fear their words. Thistles and thorns and scorpions, I don't know, you guys ever sat on a scorpion? I have, it's not fun. Fortunately, um, we have this thing we call a zapper, it's an electrode that you can, I don't have a picture of it. But uh, you can neutralize the, the poison and the venom so it does not affect you and you lose, there's no effect to it. That's an invention that a doctor invented years ago. Some say it doesn't work. It works. I promise you. Anyways, it is not going to be easy. God doesn't say it's going to be easy. When we agree to be sent, and we agree to go and open our mouth, even to your neighbor. It's not going to be easy. God doesn't say it's going to be easy. But you know what? It's going to be fruitful. That's what we want to happen. That's what we want to see for the king to come, is that the fruit is ripe and is harvested. Amen? And the harvest is ripe. We just don't understand what it looks like. Amen? So, uh, and moving right along. We need to speak regardless of whether they're willing to hear or not. I just want to close with this last part. God's provision and his presence. I'm going to have to move along and the PowerPoint will have to catch up here. God does not abandon us. Okay? 
There are many illustrations that I could use from my own life and work in Tanzania of where God, in sending us, does not abandon you. He gives you the ability to speak and endure persecution. And you come out much stronger. I just want to share one example from our time in Pi. And it was, we were really having a significant outreach in the community. And uh, um, I have to go up to the slide where there's the burning of the church building. Maybe you've heard this. Um, that doesn't happen that often where you get physical attacks where they actually burn things down. Well, because we had been having some significant outreach, some of the Muslims in the community tried to stir up opposition against us. And so they incited some youth to come and burn down our grass building. And this happened. And you know what? It's easy to say, okay, we're done here, we can go. But you know what? What does fire do? Purifies. Purifies. Amen. And it did. Uh, the body of believers that were there, there were probably about 30 at the time that, from the community. And uh, when this happened, they said, we don't need a building, we'll just meet under a tree or whatever. And uh, they, they kept growing, and God blessed that church. To this day, now they have a cement building now, so they can try and burn it down. Um, but more than that, um, God's word penetrated their hearts that it gave them a fire to reach out to the community in their area. And I want to read a from 1 Corinthians uh, 3.13 here. It says, Each man's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And I just want to end with, as we ask God to grow our passion for missions, that we will acknowledge that God will not abandon us. He gave Ezekiel the scroll and said, eat it. Now, I've never had that kind of a vision where God gave me something and I ate it. And there are examples of Islamics where they eat verses of the Quran and it gives them power, supposedly. But I do know that God does not abandon me. God will not forsake you, regardless of where he sends you. And he gives us his word. He does want us to digest it, to make it a part of our life on a daily basis, and to realize that his word will sustain us in all kinds of situations. Um, I don't have time for the rest of the stories that I wanted to say, but I just want to leave you with this. You can trust the Lord. You can trust God that when he sends you to open your mouth, that he already has a plan. That he will sustain you. He will give you the, the wisdom. He will give you the words that you need. And whatever the outcome is, he's already got that taken care of. After this church building, I was amazed how the community rallied behind us in more ways than I could have imagined. You know, we think that they would say, okay, we, got, we won one. And it wasn't that. And God used that 
event to really strengthen the church to realize that it doesn't matter. God is there for us. And He will sustain you and equip you continually. He does not abandon us. And I can't um, say that, I don't know how to say it any, any stronger. I can say it louder, but that's not going to help. You need to believe it, okay? That God will protect and sustain you. And those examples and many more have convinced me um, in my life that I don't, I, you know, I'm ready to jump off the cliff now. In a sense, I know God's going to protect me. God's going to care for me. Because uh, I've seen his hand at work. And it's just, that's what God does. So, I want you to, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to take heart um, in your passion for missions. Your area here in West Salem. It's not easy. It's a hard community. You could come up with a lot of reasons why it's not necessary or whatever. God has a place for you in his mission because worship isn't completed here in Salem. And he desires all of us worship him. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, we come to you and we thank you that you are the king of kings and soon and very soon you are coming. And as you gave Ezekiel a vision and a passion to go and speak your words. Oh Lord, I pray that you would do that for me and all of us here today. That we would have your heart and passion for the lost like you have. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Church, did you hear that? Did you hear it? Now, did you receive it? Do you have it in you, within you? Because what Paul's doing, what Gil's doing, and all the Baumans are doing, this is our mission field right here. This is our community. This is our neighborhood. And everything that he's taught us today and shared with us today applies to Kingwood, to the Edgewater neighborhood, to Salem. And who's going to do it? Who is going to do it? But one of you, us, the outreach from here, 